you're listening to How I See It, hosted by Han. You guessed it, that's me. I am here to motivate and inspire you with guests from all different industries and backgrounds. So get ready for personal stories of success, of growth, full of highs and lows, and of course, unapologetic realness. This is How I See It. Okay, you guys, I am here with Amy and Natalie. I'm so excited to have her. I'm just really stoked, honestly, that you're here in general because I've been wanting to talk about masculine and feminine energy for so long, and I just have a lot to learn from you. But Amy is a wellness coach that guides women to reconnect with their feminine and connect to themselves on a soul level. She's also the author of The Feminine Way, a book that guides readers on how to tap into your intuition, awaken your sensuality, and embody your power. Thank you so much for being here. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm so grateful to be here and excited to connect with you and your community. My podcast guests know that I always talk a little bit with my guests before we record and your story already, I could tell was like super inspiring and I would love if you could just get into the nitty gritty as deep as you're willing to go about just where you started and how you even got here and like how your journey got you to now coaching tons of women and empowering women. Mm, Yeah, I think it's always good to go back to the origin story because there's a reason why I wrote this book and there's a reason why I do this work. And it's because I was so deeply disconnected from myself and from my own feminine energy. And I was living very much in the masculine paradigm. And I had no idea that that was happening. And I think it's helpful for me to share it through my story because then you can see some of the symptoms and signs that you might be experiencing if you are living in masculine overdrive. So I was in my mid-20s. I had been on antidepressants for years. I had chronic anxiety. I was really struggling with some health issues. And on the outside, my life looked really perfect. Like it looked real good um, on Instagram. It looked real good to (laughs) other people. Like I was married. I had a beautiful home. I had my own business. At the time, I was a nutritionist and a health coach. And I kept waking up being like, there's something wrong. There's something missing. And with this deeper knowing that there's more to life than this, like I can't just be in survival mode all of the time. Right. And it's like, it was painful because I kept wearing these masks of like kind of pretending that I was okay, but internally, clearly I was struggling. And so it was through that struggle that eventually I got to this rock bottom where I was like, I can't keep living like this. What did your rock bottom look like if you're willing to share? Cause like I can resonate already so strongly with your story. I think I've talked a lot about it on the podcast, this like deep unalignment where it's, it just makes you physically sick, mentally sick, emotionally sick, anxiety induced, depressed. Yeah. I think there's two moments that I really come to mind. The first is, you know, waking up at 4am with anxiety repeatedly. And at that point I had kind of dabbled with yoga and meditation, but I had never been consistent with it. And so waking up at 4am with my husband at the time sleeping next to me, my puppy sleeping in the room and like not wanting to wake anyone. And kind of like tiptoeing out, being really quiet, going into our guest room and sitting on a meditation pillow. And it was the only thing that I knew how to do. I was like, I've tried everything else. I've really done a ton of therapy. I'm on medication, like something else has to change. And so I was sitting in my meditation and I got the clear message that 
either I needed to start prioritizing my own happiness and really being honest with myself. And the truth was that my marriage wasn't the right marriage for me. The life I was creating wasn't the right life for me. And I wasn't listening to that. I was fighting that because I was scared. And so it was either you're going to listen to that truth or you're going to just keep trying to make everyone else happy at the expense of your own well-being. And that was the moment where I really just like took my power back and was like, I can't keep living like this. And I wouldn't say everything changed from that point because I have another, you know, in that time period, like I remember sitting in my bathtub and like just being tears running down my face and feeling so exhausted and so depleted and being like, I can't keep living like this. Like this is not a way to live. And it was the first moment where I surrendered, where I was like, God, universe, whoever's out there, like, I need your help. I've tried everything. Like, please show me the way. And if you do, like, I will pay this for it. I will offer this. And I will, like, I know there's a bigger plan. I love that you brought this part of your story up. And I would love to unpack it a little bit more because I think like, so the last episode I did of the year was talking a lot about fear and how it holds us back. And I think one of the biggest lies we tell ourselves when, when we're in like a deep, dark depression, or if we are like anxiety induced, or if we're maybe in a job or marriage or relationship that we know deep down is toxic, or just all of these things that cause us to not be aligned and live in our truth is something I know that's something you talk a lot about. I think that there's just a lot of fear that being on the other side is going to be worse. And we like convince ourselves that like the hell for lack of a better word that we're putting ourselves through is actually more comfortable than like what our life could be and like what our potential is. And I would love for you to expand for people who are listening and maybe in a situation like this where they know like there's more and like, it's not supposed to be like this. Like what are ways that you can just like get brave? Yeah. I think we all reach a breaking point, but before that breaking point, there's a lot of inner work that gets to be done to really trust your intuition and to trust yourself. And, you know, if we are looking at the unknown and we're like, okay, what, what's happening right now isn't working for me, but the unknown is more scary than that because our ego is terrified of the unknown. It likes to have tangible understanding and it likes to have control of where things are going. So sometimes we'll stay stuck in that comfort zone, even though it's not comfortable, even though it freaking sucks to be there. And then we are like, thinking that on the other side of our comfort zone, when we make these changes, like everything's going to fall apart and the worst thing that are going to happen. And, you know, I was afraid that like my family would abandon me or like disown me if I got divorced. I was afraid that his family would never talk to me again. I was afraid that I was, you know, going to completely ruin his life. Like there was so much there and I was afraid I was going to be alone and start over. Like all of that was real. That felt really real in my nervous system. 100%. And, you know, the the deepening of my faith every single day, showing up for my daily devotion practices, whether that's meditation, journaling, scripting about my future, about what is it that I actually want. And that was a really key factor was 
writing about the reality that I was moving into as if it was happening now. And so I would write about, I'm going to live in this area. I wanted to live in Encinitas in San Diego. I wanted to have like a beautiful home that had really good energy in it. I wanted to be surrounded by other supportive and empowering women. I wanted to be in a relationship that felt aligned. I wanted to have a thriving business, like all of that. But I would speak about it and write about it as if it was already happened, as if I was so grateful that it was already here. And continuing to connect and create the visualization of what it is that I wanted made that unknown less scary, even though I didn't know how I was going to get there that didn't matter. And that's not our job. Our job isn't to know the exact steps of how it's going to happen. It's about being clear on the vision and aligning your energy and your frequency and your beliefs with where you're going. And it does take a lot of trust. Like I said before, is learning how to differentiate between that fear and the intuition. I talk about this a lot in my book. I have a chapter called Awakening Intuition where you know, our fear lives in our mind and our intuition lives in our body. But it can be really confusing because sometimes when we're afraid that it's the same like anxious feeling as if like we're excited to make a change, right? So they can, it's very nuanced. It's like this kind of subtle difference between the two that we can really get clear on. I think like no matter how far in like your personal journey or healing journey you are, like this comes up over and over and over again in life. Like change is just scary and like growth is scary. And I think that writing it out, how you're saying it not only makes it, I don't know, easier to start to see like, okay, like this is the life that I'm trying to like manifest and produce and work towards. And like, these are all the things in my life that I'm like, committed to doing engaging in that are complete opposite of what I want and I think to start like internalizing it that way it, it brings a little more logic the thing that gets confusing for a lot of people myself included you can feel anxious about something that you know you have to do and anxious when you're doing something wrong so what do you tell clients that you're coaching like how can I trust myself better to know that like no this is like an intuition thing and you need to like trust yourself enough to know that this is the decision you need to make for yourself Mm -hmm. yeah first what I would say is if your life was in alignment as it is right now then you wouldn't be having the anxiety that you're having you wouldn't be having the depression that you're having I do believe that these deeper mental health and yes there is a there can be like a, a chemical biochemical reaction in your brain. And this is not like in replacement for therapy. And what I would say is that there usually is a deeper aspect of not listening to your truth. So if you're in a place of like, should I stay in my job? Should I stay in this relationship? Like whatever you're contemplating right now, there's a reason for that. It's because something's out of alignment and you know that there's something else available for you. Now, you can start to practice trusting your intuition in smaller ways where you're not taking these massive big leaps at first so that you can start to trust yourself. This could look like really tuning in to even daily choices of what exercise you're doing, what foods you're eating, um, you know, where, where you're feeling called to go, even if you're like, if you usually work from one coffee shop, but maybe another day you're like, oh, I feel called to go to this other coffee shop. You can start to really play these games with intuition where you're like, oh, okay, like I made this choice and like it worked out or something really cool happened or I made this choice and I knew in my gut that I 
shouldn't have done that, but I still made it anyways. And look what happened, right? Yeah. I also like to tell people you can't mess it up. Like you literally can't mess it up. Either you're <laughs> going to make the choice to make a change and it's going to work out and really cool things are going to happen, or you're going to get redirected into something different. Yeah. I love that you said that too, because I think a lot of times, of course, like therapy helps and like different forms of healing. But I think the biggest shift for me, like 360 going from dark place of like depression and suicidal thoughts, like un like unbearable anxiety was just me coming into alignment with like, what do I actually want? Like, what, what do I want? Like, what is my intuition like saying? Cause I think for so long of my life, I just rejected my truth. Like it, what inside I knew was right. Or like what I wanted, it was put down so much that I got so scared to even think about exploring it. And then the moment I did, it was like, Oh my gosh, like I'm actually like a very intuitive person. Like I really like, like I, tr I trust myself. And I think that confidence, when you start flexing that it, it helps a lot. And it, it really catapulted like my healing journey for sure. Yeah. So powerful. And it is really about getting quiet and listening. It's so easy to just unconsciously follow the formula that society gives us for success of what our parents think we should do of what our peers are doing. And really then we just start conforming. And for some people that might make them happy and that might be what they actually want. And for many people it's not. And we're going through a really huge awakening right now in the collective individually and, you know, as a culture where the old paradigm of just following the go to school, get a job, save for retirement, go on a couple of vacations, like that's not really doing it for mo most people. And we are all really intuitive beings. I love that you shared that. I love that you're like, oh, I am really intuitive. We're all intuitive, but we just haven't been trained how to listen to that and how to really tune into that. And your intuition is always speaking to you. So it might be speaking to you in that anxiety of being like, hey, pay attention. It might be speaking to you through chronic health issues or through just like, you know, a lot of drama in your life, just things continuing to not work out. And really when we learn how to get quiet and listen to that intuitive voice within us, which actually sounds different for different people, there's a few different ways that our intuition speaks to us. I call it the languages of your intuition. And when you can Ooh. understand the language of how your intuition is speaking to you, you know, does it talk to you through a voice? Does it talk to you through a vision? Does it talk to you through like that gut feeling that, that, inner knowing, right? There's different ways that our intuitions can speak to us and it doesn't have to look one way. So you don't have to be like a psychic medium to be intuitive. Yeah, no, I, I love that you said that. And I think shifting back, I'm so sorry, I pulled you away from your personal story to go on all these powerful tangents, but like, was that the major turning point for you? Like starting to explore what do I actually want? And like, how can I trust myself? And like, how did you get from there to exploring masculine and feminine energy and realizing that about yourself? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it was during that time when I was contemplating going through a divorce and contemplating making some really big changes in my life. Like I had said, I was a nutritionist and a wellness coach at the time. I had my own business, but I wasn't really having like the success in my business that I wanted. I had some great clients, but 
I knew there was like a deeper layer of work that I wanted to do. And so I continued my studies and became an eating psychology coach, which is really about, you know, who we are as eaters. Why do we make these choices? Why do we self-sabotage? Why do we have these unhealthy behaviors with food and our bodies? And I really started to look more at the emotional component of working with my clients. And it was through that training where I understood that where I learned that I had been taking a very masculine approach to my health and my well-being. And so what that looked like was being very calculated with macronutrients, like weighing out my food. It looked like being really restrictive with food. It looked like over-exercising. Those are all more hyper-masculine traits. And what I was missing was listening to my body, which is very intuitive. I was missing that nourishment piece, that piece of mindfulness and that slowness of tuning in and listening to what I needed. And so when I realized that, I was like, oh, wow, I'm in my masculine energy in my relationship, which is impacting our sex life. I'm in my masculine energy in my business. I'm in my masculine energy with my fitness, with my nutrition. Like It is spanning everywhere and it's not serving me. And so I did eventually re reach a point of burnout. I had adrenal fatigue and I couldn't keep exercising the way that I was exercising and I couldn't keep working the way that I was working and I had to make a change. And so my, my hope in sharing this is that we get this message across before people get to that place of burnout, but sometimes we do have to hit that rock bottom and be like, okay, like I can't just keep doing this. Just to expand a little, like a little bit more, just for people who've never even heard of like masculine and feminine energy, like, can you expand a little bit more on like, I know you said the fitness side of it, but like, what can masculine energy look like in relationships or like in the way you view work? Yeah, great question. So it can be a little bit confusing because oftentimes people relate masculine with men and feminine with women. These two energies that we're talking about are not assigned to any gender. Every single person, no matter what your gender is, has masculine and feminine energy within them. And these two energies have existed from the beginning of time. They're talked about in ancient texts through a lot of different um, religions and a lot of different spiritual philosophies. And so what we're talking about here is the yin and the yang energy, the Shiva and Shakti, the masculine, the feminine. Um, the masculine is often described as doing. The feminine is being or flow. The masculine can also be really structured, really organized. It is uh, can be really controlling. Uh, the masculine is in that kind of like overthinking, overanalyzing when we go too far into the masculine. When we're in the feminine, it is more about that flow, creativity. It is the um, deeper connection with your body, with the earth. It is the nourishment aspect. And it is that connection with your soul. And that's why I love teaching about feminine energy and empowering women to create more of a balance between these two because it's not about never being in your masculine. We won't get anything done, right? Yeah. Uh, but it's also like we don't want to always be in our you know, we don't want to always be in our feminine. We don't want to always be in our masculine. It's about figuring out the the harmony between those two and when to access each of those energies. But what I find 
for most ambitious women who have big dreams, big goals, big desires, they often are in that like hyper masculine and they feel very disconnected from the feminine and it actually feels uncomfortable for them to connect to their feminine energy. It feels foreign and it feels almost like there's these misconceptions that if you're feminine or if you're connected to your feminine energy, then that means you're weak or you're lazy, you're unproductive. Like we have all these stories about what it means to be connected to our feminine energy and and really the feminine is where your pleasure lives. It's where your aliveness, it's where, again, that creativity comes through. Like it's what we all really want, but we can often be afraid of it or not know how to actually connect with it. I love, I like, I feel so called out in the best way because I feel like this has been like a huge part of my recent healing journey. Like healing journey is, it's an evolution, right? It's like a roller coaster. You start somewhere and you like finally are like, yes, like conquered that chapter. And then like another chapter opens and you're like, shit, like it never ends. And I think like this last year was like huge for me in that way. Like I've always been hyper in my masculine because of the way I grew up, because of my insecurities, because of the trauma I've been through. Like it's so obvious to me now that I've done some of this work, like what it is. But I think it's like one thing to acknowledge and understand and be aware and another to actually be able to practice as I'm learning how to like feel comfortable, like being more comfortable with like being vulnerable or like same as you're talking about, like I was overworking out like an intense amount and I was like not seeing any results. And then the moment I slowed down and started doing like reformer Pilates and like not killing myself at the gym, I was like, wow, like I'm actually like seeing results and I feel calm and I don't feel as stressed. What are ways that like women can start leaning in to like these things. Yeah. There's so many layers to this. And in my book, this is exactly the question that I was like, I need to answer this and like give a guidebook for women because this is what I wish I had. And also I get this question a lot. And so I have seven feminine codes. There are these principles that help you to reconnect with your feminine energy. And, you know, it's not just like, how do I do this? Like the checklist Connecting with your feminine energy is a way of being. And the first place that we start is by bringing more awareness into our bodies. Masculine energy is that constant thinking, doing mode. When we're doing that, our breath is constricted, our bodies are rigid. We're not connected to life. We're like disconnected from our life force energy. And so it starts with having a daily practice of connecting with your breath, connecting with your body, connecting with your soul. And that can start with five minutes. If you're like, I don't freaking have time for that. Start <laughs> with five minutes because even in just doing that, you're going to start to notice the contrast of when you do go into that hypermasculine, you're stressed out, you're overwhelmed, you're rushing, it's chaotic. And then when you come to that inner temple that you create, then you're like, oh, this feels so much better. And then we start to orient to that of like, oh, I noticed throughout the day, like I'm tense in my body. Okay. I'm going to bring more breath. I'm going to bring more aliveness into the body. One of the ways that I guide my clients is through embodiment work. And embodiment work is about teaching women how to reconnect with their bodies. It's about feeling the sensations in your bodies, really taking that time throughout your day to whether it's enjoying like your cup of coffee and really tasting the flavors of it 
or maybe you want to like have like beautiful things in your office that make you feel really peaceful, right? Really looking at the senses and really coming into that that touch based so that we can get out of the thinking and into the being. And when we're in that place, we can feel really quickly, oh, that feels out of alignment. This feels in alignment. And we don't have to wait until we get to that place where like our whole life feels out of alignment before we start to make these adjustments. So we can start to feel, even if you're on a date and you're like, you know, feeling, you know, how do I feel when I'm around this person, right? How do I feel in this conversation? Like, oh, do they like me? Are they interested in me? It's like, okay, like I'm here right now and I'm really present with my body. I'm not worried about what they're thinking about me. I'm just like in myself. I I know who I am. I feel confident and I can feel and sense like, how does this connection feel for me? Do I want to see this person again? I love that. And like, is it more so like exercising, like how we can bring the feminine into your life? Or do you come across clients who are like, too much in their feminine and need to initiate some masculine into their routine? Great question. I would say as a collective, like the majority of what I see for women, because that's who I work with, is I see the majority of women in masculine overdrive, meaning too much masculine energy and not enough feminine. However, I have other clients who there's definitely women who get stuck in their feminine overflow. And when you're in that place, you can feel really stagnant. You might feel really chaotic and flighty. You might have a lot of creative ideas, but you never follow through on them. And you might feel really ungrounded. That's going to be when you're in that like feminine flightiness where you don't have enough structure. You don't have enough direction. You're not clear on where you're going, right? You don't have yeah. any rituals or you don't have anything to help anchor you. So yes, I see both of them. And it's interesting because a lot of this is rooted in deeper subconscious programming. I love that you brought up that there are you know lots of reasons why you're in masculine overdrive, whether we're overcompensating, we're trying to prove our worth, we you know feel like that's the only way that we're going to be successful. There's so much programming. And similarly, women who get stuck in feminine overflow, it can be like a lack of confidence and it can be this perfectionism that just keeps you stuck and then you don't take any action or it can be self-sabotage. So I help women to look at these deeper subconscious beliefs and programs of why they got there in the first place. And then we start to look at, okay, what are some practices that make sense to help you to infuse more feminine energy into your day? I'll share one of my favorite practices, and this is something that I shared on my Instagram. I did a reel on it a little while ago, and it really resonated with women who tend to be more in masculine overdrive. And this is at the end of your workday, especially if you you are in a relationship or you're dating or even just like even if you're by yourself, like there's a time where we need to shift out of masculine energy. And if we don't do that intentionally, we will keep that going until we go to sleep, right? And we wonder yeah. like why we don't sleep well. So practice is to have a transition where you are intentionally shifting out of the masculine, meaning you're getting out of that go, go, go mode. And you either you can like turn on some music and you can dance, you can go for a walk out in nature, you can get into a bubble bath, like whatever you need to do. Maybe you call a friend and you drop into your emotions, you drop into your heart. Maybe you take a yoga class and I'm not talking like hot sculpt yoga class. I'm talking like a, a yin or a gentle vinyasa class. It's okay to do that. You're like you're yeah. still going to get great results, right? So 
yeah, I would say that having that transition time and, and starting to build these new rituals throughout your day, like the morning practice and then having this transition time is really helpful to, to help us to consciously shift out of the masculine. Something I like didn't even realize I was doing, it was almost like subconscious is like, I started coining all my baths, rich bitch baths, like two years ago. And like, I made this, like my bath time is like experience for myself to like unwind. And I called it rich bitch baths because I'm like affirming and like manifesting like success in all aspects of my life, like mentally, emotionally, business wise. And then like, it started to get like more like, I don't know, like foofy, like in a good way. Like I like got excited about buying like a new robe and like walking around my house in like a robe. And it made me feel like super girly and confident and cool. And I think for a lot of my life, especially my adult life, I felt almost embarrassed to like want to feel sexy. There's so much truth to what you're saying, because even this like little shift of being like, I have this luxurious bath time and now I'm getting into my silk robe and like walking around my apartment. This feels so like chic and sexy and like New York. And like, it gave me like a nice shift to like go to bed and feel like, I don't know, like in my feminine. I'm so glad that you brought this up because there's so many women who feel afraid to connect with their sensuality and to feel afraid to connect with their pleasure. And this is something that I see really huge breakthroughs with my clients because there can be a lot of shame or past trauma that gets stored in the body. And a lot of like these feelings like, oh, I've never felt sexy or I'm not sexy. So it can feel really intimidating to want to connect to that part of yourself. And maybe you even have judgment towards other women who are more expressed. If you do notice that, then that's a sign that there's a part of you that actually wants to be more sensual, that wants to be more expressed. It's bringing up that as a trigger for a reason. And so one really simple practice that you can do to connect more with your body and connect with your sensuality is having like a, a self-pleasure date. And that doesn't mean that you have to masturbate. It doesn't mean that you have to have a self-pleasure practice. This can be just like a ritual, like you said, having a nice bath and then taking time to rub some really yummy oil on you or really yummy lotion and massaging your own body. And you can even close your eyes when you're doing it and breathe and really just feel like how beautiful it feels to touch your own body. And even in that, that will give you a lot of information. I taught a workshop last week and there was a woman who shared that she, through the practice, I had them do some exploration with some self-touch and even hugging themselves. And she said that she always thought that she wasn't someone who liked physical touch. And through that practice, she realized that she actually felt unworthy of physical mm -hmm. touch. And after that, she said that she gave like her husband like the biggest hug ever and like it shifted something for her. And I have other women who are like, I've never felt sexy. I've never felt good in my body. And as soon as they touch their body, they notice they feel so much shame and they feel like so almost like they're being inappropriate or like it's disgusting for them to touch their body. And that comes from deep religious patriarchal programming. Like that's not yours and that's not the truth. So there's so much that can come through from these practices that we don't even know is there in our conscious mind. But when we start to connect with the body, it gives us a lot of information about where the blocks are coming from. So many times like men and women both like sell themselves these narratives about themselves. 
And like, whether it's because of trauma, whether it's because of like past relationships or things they feel about themselves, like you said, like religious programming, a lot of times we sell ourselves things about ourselves that aren't necessarily true. And like the moment you start exploring, you're like, oh shit, like I actually kind of do like PDA. I kind of like hugging people. Like, cause I think I told myself like that for a while too. Like, eh, I'm not really like into like, I don't want to like hug anyone, like whatever. And then like, I kind of started like letting myself be what I wanted to be instead of like trying to sell myself like this narrative and try to sell others this narrative that I'm like this badass, super like unemotional, like not sensitive, like not touchy feely person, because like, that's sad. And it's like, not who I am. If that's you fine. But I think in most cases, that's just like a protective measure. And it's it's not who I identify with whatsoever started to like realize as I started like exploring this stuff about myself, like I actually like want to be kind of girly in that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I don't know why I viewed that as being like lame or pathetic or weird. And I think you're speaking to this idea of like, it's just programmed. It's so deeply programmed. And we get this even from a really young age about how girls are supposed to be and how boys are supposed to be. And we all get impacted by it, you know, like we're told not to be too sensitive or be too emotional or be too sexy. Like there's so much programming around this that we have in that, again, until you start to uncover this, you're like, oh, wow, I've just been operating in this way because I thought that's who I was. But I like to call this the good girl programming. And a lot of us don't even know that we have it. There's also what you were just talking about, which I think is like the cool girl programming. Like nothing bothers me. I'm too cool for that. Right? Like it's so real. So it's really looking at what are these identities and what is the identity that I've been like the persona that I've just been living as. And then people are like, well, who am I if that's not fully me? And that's the work that I love to do, which is really about liberating women and really bringing them deeper into self-discovery. Like there's something about therapy that's great to have self-awareness, but the work that I love to do is this deep embodiment work where it's like, okay, let's unlearn and unravel this old identity and let's discover who are you without that. And one of my favorite methods for that is using feminine archetype work, which is really about tapping into these different characters, these different feminine archetypes, like the seductress archetype, the wild woman archetype, the mother archetype, the queen archetype, the wise woman. Like there's so many different archetypes that we can play with and through connecting with them, we can discover these aspects of ourselves that either we've forgotten or like we've suppressed, like we used to be like that when we were younger, but we're not anymore. Or parts that like we actually didn't even know that we're there and we're like, oh my God, there's that part of me. And so, you know, this is a a deep exploration using different modalities, inner child healing, feminine embodiment work, archetype work to discover like, who are you? And then aligning your life with that, having the confidence to live as that version of yourself because it's a lot of people do this work like by themselves and then they're like in their regular lives, like a totally different person. And it's like, no, 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 let's like align all of that, right? Let's, let's, let's get you into alignment, not just in your private space or just with the people you feel comfortable with, but like, let's do this across the board. Half of the journey is like self-awareness, right? Like you, I think that's the power of therapy initially, right? Is like, you get to like work with someone and like really see like, 
the shadow versions of yourself and see the toxic traits and like really reflect on your life and like how it's impacted and shifted and changed you in all these ways. But then you get to a point where it's like, okay, like I know all this stuff about myself I'm being self-aware. I'm noticing my triggers. I'm trying to like exercise my brain, exercise my reactions, but it gets to a point where it's like, okay, like now you have to like go further and like figure out like, okay, then what am I going to do instead? How am I going to practice these things? And I think that's where a lot of people get stuck or they like kind of give up because they're like, oh, like this is like hard because it is hard work. Yeah. And that's why I wrote the book and I have, you know, lots of great resources, the book, my podcast, and for, for the women who are ready and who do feel stuck and you know, you've tried a lot of things on your own and you're like, I have all the self-awareness, but I just keep repeating the same patterns or I know I'm just ready for my next level of competence. That's really where mentorship comes in. And I have both one-on-one and then also group mentorship. And there's something so powerful to be in a group with other women who are also have a lot of self-awareness. They're really powerful women and to really witness each other's growth and to support each other. And then to have the mentorship along with the sisterhood is really powerful. So that's another option Yeah, I feel like women are so programmed to like be against each other, right? Like we're always in competition with each other. And I think it's something that like our society set up because they knew that women were too powerful if they were all friends. And that sounds so like cheesy, but it's not. And I think like women need like each other. Women leave conversations with other women like so inspired for the most part. Like, especially when you're being real and not being like catty or fake or whatever, it's empowering to be with like women and hear about their growth and their personal story. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And that is something that I'm super passionate about is bringing women together in community because there is so much healing that happens in that space. And like you said, like we reflect different things to each other. We remind each other of our power. We see ourselves in other women. And especially when you are cultivating more authentic relationships with women where you are being vulnerable, like that, that just feels so nourishing for us because that's how it's meant to be. Like we're not meant to do this alone. Totally. I love that you said that. Yeah. I would have a couple more questions for you because you brought up true like confidence, like women, I think, I don't want to say more than men, but I just think all women struggle with confidence in one way or another. How would you describe like true confidence and like what are some things you could like leave listeners with to start practicing just like building their self-confidence? Yeah, confidence is one of my most favorite areas. There's, There's so many different layers to where our lack of confidence can, can come from, you know, and there are so many limiting beliefs that actually come from our childhood from when we're literally between the ages of zero and seven. That's where our deepest beliefs are formed, whether we feel unworthy or we feel unlovable, not good enough. Um, and then we play out that for the rest of our lives, right? We keep playing that until we reprogram those thoughts and those beliefs. And so, you know, if you are not feeling confident, I just want you to know, like, there's nothing wrong with you. This is like, again, it's a lot of layered programming that you've inherited and it is possible to shift this. Now, There's a few different layers of working through that. Again, one is the unlearning phase where it's like, okay, 
what are these beliefs that are causing me to self-sabotage or to play small and to not use my voice and to not want to be seen? Like really being in the curiosity and the exploration, not from a place of shame of, oh, there's something wrong with me because I feel this way, but from like, oh, okay, like these are things that are here and I get to look at them, right? And then the second aspect after we're working on the unlearning is really the alignment piece of like we've been talking about is, okay, like what's important to me? What matters to me? Who am I without those limiting beliefs, right? And really getting to know yourself on that deep level and and really starting to love that version of yourself and started celebrating that version of yourself. I think if there's one thing that women can do to start to increase their confidence is to give themselves more compliments, is to take every single day, write down one to three things that you're proud of yourself for because we can be so quick to look at the things, our flaws, what we haven't done yet, that we're falling behind, that we're not pretty enough, all of those things. But if you really come down to it and start to train your brain and look at the that you are doing well, you're already doing a lot of things really well. And we don't take time to acknowledge that. We like get to a big milestone and then we don't even celebrate it. We just like go to the next thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it is really building our own worthiness and confidence through this like self-acknowledgement practice. And then like we've been talking about, the third piece is the embodiment. It's like then going to live as that confident version of yourself. And I really like to work with the queen archetype for this, which is really like, Okay, if you were living as your higher self, if you were living as a queen, like what decision would she make? You know, would she say yes to that date? Um, would she let people walk all over her and like, you know, would she people please? Like she wouldn't do those things, right? Mm-hmm. So it's learning how to then make decisions from your higher self instead of from your ego, which is that fear-based mindset that has us stay stuck in that like self-doubt and lack of confidence. I love that because I think you're bringing attention to the fact that like this isn't just like a switch. Like this kind of change takes like effort and time. And I think a lot of like healing and inner work is like acknowledging that like you can't just like choose it and then it happens. Like you have to actually like exercise this as if you're like rewriting who you are and getting back to your soul. Because like you said, like all these things happen when we're kids, as we're growing up through the different traumas we experience and the life experiences we have. It's not going to just like in a snap go to what we want. And I think that's like the missing piece a lot of times is that like we know what we want and like we know what's wrong and what we need to do, but we can't quite make the jump to start actually just exercising it because of that fear. Are there any practices that you would recommend for people? One of my favorite practices that I offer for my clients is a practice called mirror dancing. And it's rooted in work from Louise Hay, um, which is all about mirror work. She used to talk about using mirror work for self-love and using affirmations, looking at yourself in the mirror. And there's been a ton of research and you know, they use this even in eating disorder clinics where we're actually using what they call mirror neurons to reprogram our self appearance, meaning reprogram the way that we see ourselves. And usually when we look in the mirror, we're looking for things that we don't like and things that we're kind of like picking apart. This is where this practice that I like to call mirror dancing comes in, where You can turn on a song. It can be a really slow, sensual song. It can be, you know, a song that makes you feel like 
more energized. And really, you can do this with clothes on. You can do this with lingerie. You can do it naked, whatever, wherever you're at. You can start with a robe and then slowly take it off. And not worrying about specifically what it looks like, focusing on how it feels, but noticing what comes up for you. Noticing, oh, do I criticize myself? Okay, what's one area of my body that I do like today? Maybe it's your eyes. Maybe it's your skin tone. Maybe it's your hair. Maybe it's just your shoulder, your collarbone. Like really looking for what it is that you love in the reflection or that you appreciate. If you're not in a place of loving, appreciating. And this practice, if you do it every day, it really will start to change your self perception, the way that you see yourself. And The last piece I'll share here is confidence is not just about feeling confident in your clothes or confident how you look in the mirror. It's not just about your physical appearance, right? It's about trusting yourself and believing in yourself. There's so much depth to this conversation, but that mirror dancing practice will actually help with with multiple of those areas too. Totally, totally. Because I think to even what we were speaking about earlier, like a lot of women do feel this shame about like feeling sexual and like being like a sensual being. And I think like this also like helps practice that confidence as well, because you get to like be alone with yourself. Even for me, like I'm even thinking about the idea of like looking at myself in the mirror. Like I remember as a part of like some of my therapy work, like my therapist had suggested like looking in the mirror and doing my affirmations in the morning, like as I'm looking in the mirror, instead of just like, as I do them every day, because affirmations are like a huge part of my healing journey, just like having to affirm over and over, like every day, just like try to rewrite like my inner voice. And like, when she even like pushed me to start doing that, I was like, I can't do that. That's so uncomfortable. I think it, it does take practice if our confidence has been torn down in those ways. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I would offer is that that discomfort is actually showing you where there's room for growth. It's showing yeah. you, oh, like, yeah, this is uncomfortable because of the previous programming. And if you want to shift and you want to grow out of that, like you get to lean into these practices that are really uncomfortable. Looking back in your journey and just like where you started in your own personal healing journey and how you got from there to now here, how do you see it? How do you see the journey? How do you see your healing journey and what you've been through? I feel so proud of the journey that I've been on. Like when I look back and I like go back to that time where it was so dark and it, I was just so stuck, like to see how drastically different my life is now and knowing that it required so much courage. It required showing up for myself, believing in myself. And so I really like celebrate, you know, even the challenges that have come up along the way. I just, I'm grateful for those because I know that they have, you know, invited me into deeper healing and yeah, I'm, I'm grateful for it all. That's what I'll, I'll share. Yeah. I love that. And I think that's something like that people start to figure out in helicopter view. And I think it's just, we have to remind ourselves in those moments of like chaos and like the feeling that everything is falling apart, that like, it's always worth it. All of my chaos and trauma and my journey has led me to a place of now being like, I'm so thankful that I have like that wisdom and understanding now because of like, because that happened. And I see that so clearly in you too. And um, I just appreciate you sharing your truth and then like expertise in what you're talking about. But if you could drop your handle um, so people can find you on Instagram, TikTok, and I'll link the book in the show notes and your site and all that. 
You can find me on Instagram at Amy Natalie Co. Then you can also find my podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this. It's called the Feminine Frequency Podcast. And you'll link my my website and all and the book too. Yeah. 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 Everything will be in the show notes. But thank you so much. I appreciate you and just like your energy here today. It was just like such a pleasure. Mm, thank you for having me. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the episode and I hope you leave here feeling motivated and inspired. Do not forget to rate and review the pod on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And don't forget to follow How I See It Pod so you can keep up with podcast updates and see who's coming on next. And if you're not already, come join the fam and follow at How Hand Sees It. Thank you guys. <laughs>